Well, good morning. Do you ever wonder what God wants from you? I do. My subject today is a life of total surrender to God. That's what God wants from every one of our lives, a life of total surrender to God. I want to read with you two passages from the New Testament. The first is in Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, and we're going to read at verse 34. And when he, that is Jesus, had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever would save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, Romans chapter 12, the book of Romans, chapter 12. Romans 12 and 1 is the high point of this book of Romans. In view of everything that God has done for the human race, for you and I, in view of the mercy that God has extended to every one of us, there is an appeal, an appeal from God to each one of us individually. And that is Romans 12 and verse 1. It's an appeal for surrender. It is an appeal to serve God. I beseech you, some versions say, I appeal to you. Therefore, brethren and sisters, everyone is included, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service or your spiritual worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In these verses that we just read, there is an appeal. It is an appeal that is valid for everyone in our audience today to surrender your life to God. It says, by the mercies of God. 
brings us back to the beginning of this book where the entire human race is represented and we have stand condemned in the courtroom of God. And the sentence is passed to the entire human race, guilty, all have sinned, and every mouth is stopped, and the world is condemned before God. It brings us into chapter 3, where it shows us the grace of God, where God has given his own son to die on behalf of guilty sinners. It takes us to the cross. You'll notice the background on this screen behind me. The background is Skull Hill. This is the physical place on this planet where God's Son died, hung upon a cross for a world of guilty sinners. And if God gave his own Son to die for me, I ought to be willing to give my life back to him. I appeal to you by the mercies of God that you present your entire life back to God, which is your spiritual worship. My subject today is consecration. Next slide. This word consecration simply means to be totally dedicated. In the Old Testament, there was an aspect of worship that was physical. Men, women, and children would bring animals to God. And they would stand and watch this innocent animal be slaughtered and put on an altar. And the blood flowed on these altars. And it was speaking to us about one who was coming to die. In the Old Testament, worship was physical. Today, worship is spiritual. We don't offer animal sacrifices to God because once in the end of the age, he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Everything before the cross and before Jesus came was pointing forward as a picture when God's own son would become the lamb, the lamb, which would take away the sin of the world. And because of the cross, the debt of sin for guilty sinners has been paid and God is satisfied and now God appeals to you appeals to me to stand at the cross and thank God for giving his son and to offer my worship, which is spiritual. In the Old Testament, there was a ceremony of dedication. You can read about it in Leviticus chapter 8. The priests and those that would serve God had to go through a ceremony. The word is mentioned as consecration. It was a dedication unto the Lord. At that particular ceremony, God told Moses to take a ram and stand by the altar and kill this ram and take the blood 
and dip it, dip your finger in the blood and touch the ear and the thumb and the great toe of the priests that were going to serve God. It was the mark of blood. There was a vow of the Nazarite. In Numbers chapter 6, those who wanted to serve God and offer their lives to God were to go through a ceremony. They were to be holy. They were to be pure. They were to dedicate their life in separation unto God. These are all pictures of what God is asking for us today. Beloved, I want to ask you a question. Have you been to the cross? Every one of us individually before God right now, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you trusted him? Is he your Lord? Have you bowed the knee at the altar of God and thanked God for giving his own son to die for you? You know, we used to sing this song years ago. I have been at the altar and witnessed the lamb burnt holy to ashes for me. Have you been there? The cross is where Jesus died. Consecration begins with conversion to God. If you have never repented and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not God's child. You are separated from God and you are at a distance from God. God is calling you today to come, to acknowledge your sin and believe on his son, Jesus Christ, as the lamb which took away your sin. Consecration is demonstrated by commitment. Beloved, we all struggle with this. Likely, one of the greatest challenges of Christian living today is to be holy, separated unto the Lord, and not distracted by the world. Likely the greatest challenge. I want to appeal to young people today. It's just awesome to see young people here. Maybe you're recently saved. Saved by the grace of God. You have a life that is before you. There is an appeal from God for you to surrender your life to him. The results of a life of consecration is one that is poured out as a sacrifice to God. It's not physical, it's spiritual. It is a commitment of the will of my heart to come to the cross and to believe on Jesus and to give my life in service from God. Next slide. What is your life? You ever thought about that? How old are you? How many years have you lived in this earth? I thought about this. This is an hourglass. It's kind of fascinated me when I saw it, and so I bought it. It sits on my desk. Do you know why it's there? It reminds me. Every day I come in and I flip that up, and I watch the sands pass down through this hourglass. This is an illustration of your life and my life. 60, 
70 years, maybe 80 years, maybe 90 years, and your life will pass. Your life is a vapor, James chapter 4. It appears for a moment, and it's gone. Your life is a blink. It will happen in a second, and you'll look back, and you'll say, 50 years passed, I was 20 years old. What have I done with my life? Here's my question to you. It's a challenge. As I appeal to you today to surrender your life to God, there is a challenge. The challenge is this. What am I going to do with my life? My short time that I have on this earth, as the sands of time pass through this hourglass, what am I going to do with my life? There was a woman called Marianne Farningham. She lived in the 1800s. As a very young child, she lost both her parents tragically. She was moved by this experience and she came to know Christ as her savior as a teenager. She had a heart of love for young people. She devoted her life to the orphans on the streets of the city of London. She worked in a homeless shelter for the rest of her life. She poured out her life to God because God had saved her and she knew what it was like to go through this world without parents. She wrote a beautiful hymn that I'm gonna quote to you today. Here's what she wrote. And I appeal to young people with this hymn, listen to this. Just as I am, thine own to be friend of the of the young who lovest me to consecrate myself to thee O jesus christ i come in the glad morning of my day my life to give my vows to pay with no reserve and no delay with all my heart i come just as i am young strong and free to be the best that I can be for truth and righteousness and thee Lord of my life I come could I ask you today your, your life is gonna run through the hourglass so quickly and at the end of your days it's gonna be condensed and how you spent your life in your career what car you drove what house you lived in what beautiful Tropical vacations that you took will mean nothing when you stand before God. Robert Murray McShane died at 29 years old. Do you know what he said? He wrote this hymn. When I stand with Christ on high, looking over life's history, then, Lord, shall I fully know, not till then, how much I owe. What is your life? Is there a, a person here today that would be willing to surrender their life to God. To say in the presence of God today, Lord, take my life and let it be. Consecrated Lord to thee. Let my moments and my days flow in ceaseless praise. The woman that wrote that hymn was called Frances Havergale. Frances Havergale died at 42 years old. 
She learned seven languages fluently. She lived in a body that was frail, sick all her life. She devoted her entire life to serving God. I'm sure that most of you have heard of Jim Elliott. Let me tell you the story of Jim Elliott. On January the 8th, 1956, Jim Elliott was killed by native Indians, the Akas, in Ecuador. His body lay on the beach with four other missionaries at 28 years old. He had prayed every day for these people. He longed to bring them the gospel. God sent him to Ecuador. And at 28 years old, his life is snuffed out. Was it a wasted life? Beloved, it was all for God. It's not how long you live. It's how much you give to God. It's not what you mass and attain in this life that will be of any value when your day on earth is over. It is this, have I surrendered my life to God? Have I poured it out for him? Have I given it all? Because in eternity, we will stand before God. 2 Corinthians 5 says we all must stand before God and give accounts of the things done in the body. Jim Elliot had a prayer book. That prayer book was found in his pocket when the body was recovered. There was two things that were written in that prayer book that spoke to my heart. Here's what he said. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. See this hourglass? This is your life. You cannot keep it. You will never recover yesterday or last week or five years ago. The sands of time have already gone down. You will never keep your life, but you can gain it for life eternal by using it for God. He is no fool which gives his life, which he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose eternally. There was something else written in Jim Elliot's prayer book. Jim Elliot had deep dealings with God in his life. And he was devoted and consecrated and surrendered to God. Here's what he wrote in his journal. And it was found in his pocket on the day of his death. Father, take my life. Yea, my blood, if you will. Consume it with enveloping fire. I would not save it. Have it, Lord. Have it all. I pour out my life as an oblation to the world. My blood, if it is of any value, let it flow before thine altar. Jim Elliot wrote those words before he died. Beloved, there is an appeal from God to devote your life in full surrender to God. Jesus took his disciples aside and the people of that day, and he said these words in Mark chapter 8. Whosoever will come after me, 
Let him deny himself. It's costly, isn't it? Let him take up his cross and follow me. If you will save your life, you will lose it. But if you are willing to give your life for my sake, Jesus said, and the gospels, you will save it unto life eternal. What shall it profit a man? If you could gain the whole world, impossible, and lose your own soul, it's worth nothing. Five minutes after you die, what will be important to you? Did I know Christ as my Savior? Are my sins forgiven? Did I serve him with a surrendered life? I beseech you, I appeal to you. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, your life, your body, soul, and spirit, all that you are to God, which is your spiritual worship. Next slide. Here is the appeal. God is calling on every believer today to love him. Do you love God? You know what the first commandment is? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. Here's a challenging question, and I say it to myself first. Is there anything in your life right now that you love more than God? God appeals to us to love him. Why? Because he has done so much for us. Beloved, he has paid your debt of sin. You were condemned. You were guilty. The mercy of God has been extended to you. Our brother read this morning in 1 Peter, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us unto a living hope by Jesus Christ. You were condemned. You were guilty. You were dead. You had no life. And God gave his own son to die for you. Don't we owe him a debt of gratitude? Yes, we do. The appeal is that because of God's mercy, we present ourselves, our entire life, as a living sacrifice. Back to the sacrifices of the Old Testament, they took that sacrifice and they slaughtered that, altar, that animal on the altar. And the blood flowed and there was a mark. The sacrifice is the Lord Jesus Christ. His blood has been shed. And beloved, I say to you, you've been bought with a price. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the subject is about fornication and immorality. And there is a great appeal for us as believers in Jesus Christ not to give ourselves to sexual immorality. But remember that we are not our own. We have been bought with a price, the price of precious blood. God paid 
an infinite price for your soul. God gave his own son and shed his blood so you could be forgiven, redeemed, purchased, brought back into the family of God. And because of that, there is an appeal. This is your reasonable service. Reasonable. Your spiritual worship is to give your life back to God for all that he has given to you. Then it says, be not conformed to this world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. We live in a world that has a pattern. It wants to suck us in. It wants to mold us. It wants to press us after the values of the world. There is an appeal from God because of the cross to not be pressed into that mold. Do not value what the world values. Value what God values. Holiness, righteousness, love, a life of sacrifice, self-denial, yielding of my body unto God for service for him. And at the end of the day, you'll look back on your life and when it is condensed and your entire life goes down through the hourglass and you stand before God, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, every man's work will be tried by fire. It's going to go through the furnace of God. Beloved, what you have done for Christ, every track you have given out, every time you have witnessed, every time you have served the saints of God, every time you have reached out to somebody in love, told them the truth, shared the scriptures with them, everything that you've done for service for God's people and the church and the household of God will stand before God and there will be rewards given out. Everything that you've done for yourself, gone. Everything that you've done for somebody else that was important to them, if it's not important to God, it will be burnt up. This is good and acceptable to God for you to prove the will of God. Beloved, God has given us the scriptures to share with us what God's will is for your life. Read the scriptures. Let it be absorbed into your heart. Let it change your thinking. It's like a filter. Okay, you're driving down the road and you see billboard signs. You're sitting down, you're watching uh, Hockey Night in Canada, and, and you've got advertisements coming into your mind. You flip up your computer, and you've got remarketing, targeting, digital marketing, sending you messages all the time. You turn on the music, and you hear messages, messages. This world is filled with voices, filled with distraction and messages. And it is trying to mold you after the system of the world. I counsel you today to shut it off. Turn it off. Sit down before God with the word of God and say, God, Lord Jesus, fill my mind with the scriptures. Let me be transformed, changed as I read the scriptures and I see the power of God working in the word of God, in me, in my life, motivating me to serve God, to burn out for him. 
That's what a transformed life is. Uh, a couple years ago at Jesus to the Nations, there was a speaker called um, Simon Gilliard, I think his name was. I was quite impressed with him because um, he's a young guy, full of passion and energy, smart guy. Uh, he told his life story and how God had called him. 1999, this rising young executive was sitting at his computer desk. He had spent his life climbing the corporate ladder, and he was seeking what was materialistic. He had an MBA focused in marketing. He had a six-figure salary and a nice car, and he was single, and he thought that he was swinging the world by the tail. God called him. His parents were missionaries in Africa. One day, God called him loudly in his life and said, Simon, I want you to go to Africa as a missionary. Simon's like, oh, God, no, no please, not, not, not me, not now. Look, I, I got everything going here. I've just spent my education and I've got my, my career and I've got all my fancy toys. God was calling him through the scriptures. By the Holy Spirit was tugging on his heart. There came a crisis in his life. And he got to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. And God said, Simon, I appeal to you. By the mercies of God, present your body a living sacrifice. Simon, pour it out on the altar for me. You know what Simon did? He resigned his position. He shut everything down. He sold everything that he had. And he went to Rwanda to preach Christ. Rwanda. God moved in that man's life to change him. Let's bring this closer to home. How about Miriam Sterling? Here is a young lady that has poured out her life for God on the altar. She's living in this place in Africa, working at this clinic to serve God. You know, you don't have to leave the north end of Dartmouth to serve God. There's a mission field right here, right on the street, right in your neighborhood, right in your office, right outside your door. The person in the apartment next door to you is a mission field. God has called you to serve him in pouring out your life for him. Don't get pressed into the world's mold. Don't get sucked into a life of emptiness, of pride and of selfishness. Because at the end of the day, your life is gonna go through the fire. You're gonna stand before God and all your days are gonna be reviewed. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I appeal to you young people, just recently saved, raising children, living your life, it's before you. God has called you to surrender your life to him and to give your life in devotion, in dedication, in consecration to God. There will be great reward in heaven. 
What do you think it was like for Jim Elliott? One moment he's lying on the beach, stabbed to death by savages, closing his eyes in time, and the next moment through the gates of splendor. Wow. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my riches gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my heart, my life, my all. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your life, a sacrifice that is living, holy and acceptable unto God, this is your spiritual worship. It's not physical, it's spiritual. It's giving of yourself back to God because he has paid such a price for you. I wanna to close today by briefly sharing with you the gospel. Because what I have said up until now, next slide. What I have said up until now has been primarily directed to those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be sitting here today and this might be all completely foreign to you. You might be sitting here today and you have never acknowledged your sin or bowed the knee and given God the glory that Jesus Christ is Lord. So let me share with you where this life begins, the gospel. The gospel, beloved, begins with God. The very source of life, the giver of all life, creator, of everything that is matter. Without him was not anything made that was made. It was impossible for anything else to be made that wasn't made by God. He is your creator. On our behalf, he gave his own son to pay the debt of our sins. He was the one who is holy and is righteous and is just. We are the guilty sinners that have offended God. We have broken his laws. We have lied. We have lusted. We have been filled with pride. We have taken his name in vain. Every single one of us are sinners. Bible says that there is no one who has not sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Worse than that, we inherited a sinful nature. By deception and by disobedience, sin entered into the world, and that seed has been passed on to all humanity. Every single one of us have been infected by the mutiny of sin. It's in our very core. We can't help but sin. It's in our nature. And God, who is holy, cannot stand sin in his presence. 
Man is separated from God. We need a savior. There's not a religion in the world that does not acknowledge we have a problem. The question is, what's the problem and how do we fix it? The problem is sin. It's in our very core. Left to yourself, we will all self-destruct. God is the solution. God, in loving this world, has given his own son, Jesus Christ. There's only one person who could ever qualify to pay the debt of sin. It's one who had no sin. If you can find somebody on this earth that has never sinned and beg them to take your place as a sinner and die for you, impossible. The only person who could qualify to be the Savior was God himself. And he became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In the words of Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, God demonstrated his love to the world. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God, on our behalf, gave his own son to die for our sins. Beloved, that price of sin could never be paid by you. And if Christ didn't come, we'd all be hopeless and helpless without God, without hope in the world forever. And we would perish in our sins and go to hell. But God, in his mercy, in his great love, in his grace, gave his own son to come from heaven down to this earth and to take your sins, my sins, all the things that we are so ashamed of, that are on our conscience, that we wouldn't want anybody to know. God says, I'll take those sins. I'll pay the price. And so at Calvary, God's own son died for our sins. Here's what the Bible says. Him who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he who is holy, righteous, and loving took our sin and gave us righteousness. He said, I'm going to die for your sin to put it away. And at the cross, Jesus, God's own son, bled and died to pay the price for our sin. Folks, salvation is available today to everyone. There is not a person in this world that is excluded. There is salvation, full and free. You can't work for it. Baptism's not going to save you. Going to a church isn't going to save you. Trying to do good works will never merit favor before God. No, there was one price that was paid for sin. It was the Lord Jesus. And he offers salvation to everyone who is willing to acknowledge their sin. Repent, change your thinking, and acknowledge to God, I am the sinner. I'm the guilty one. But by faith, understand that Jesus died for me. He bore my sin. He paid the price. He became my sin atoning sacrifice. And by belief in him, I have everlasting life, full and free. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. 
but the wrath of God abideth on him. I have two questions for you as I wrap this up. One is this, do you have life? <laughs> I mean real life. Real life is eternal, abundant life in Christ. Do you have life? And the second question is, have you surrendered your life to God? I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, your spiritual worship. I trust that everyone today will go away from this place thanking God for giving his own son to die for me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again today for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the cross of Calvary. Think of how we sang today at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. The burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight and I'm happy all the day. I thank you, Father, for giving your own son to shed his blood, to pay that ransom price for our sins. And I pray that every one of us today as we leave this place would be willing to give our lives back to God in service, in love to God for what he has done for us. Part us with your blessing and bless in the remainder of the day we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.